Hello, I'm here with Marina Lazarus, who's known as the Love Alchemist. Hi, Marina. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So our names are very similar, aren't they? Go on, expand. You're known as the... Higher Love Coach. Okay. So would you say that's aligned with what I do and my message? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And I think that is probably the vibration that has brought us together. Oh, that's so lovely. Because <laughs> you are very much in a loving state. I am. And that, uh, what I call being state for me, has been a bit of a transition from who I was previously. Mm. And to explore that a bit further with you. I think one of the things that I have found in my life is where I look back and I reflect on my, my behavior in the past. It came from a, a, a state of raw emotion without any real processing, um, any real understanding of what was going on inside me. And I think as a result of my own personal self-development journey and reading various books and coming in contact with various coaches and people on social media, et cetera. So I came across at a point in my life, um, the legend known as Steve Hardison's and the ultimate coach. And I listened to a couple of interviews, I think, um, with, uh, with him very recently. And it was about who you're being. And I think that's the question I ask myself almost every day throughout the day when emotions come and uh, maybe not the most positive emotions. And I ask myself, Abdul, who are you being in this moment in time? Am I being love? Am I being fear? Am I being nasty? Am I being selfish? Am I being emotional? And it's who do I want to be? And actually what I want to be is love. It's very beautiful. And Abdul, to bring in my book, <laughs> love the fuck out of everything. It's making none of that wrong, you know, so we can notice our state of being. When we're going through an emotion, we have all different feelings, but if we make them emotions wrong, they persist. And so my method has been with others, seeing them transition is that when you stop and really love the fuck out of it, even the anger, even the sadness, when you love that, somehow it turns to higher consciousness, higher love, because you're not making anything wrong and you're not judging yourself. When you stop judging you, you stop judging everyone else. Absolutely. And it's that putting that mirror up to yourself to say, actually, what is this emotion? What is this real emotion and why am I feeling this emotion? And is this more about me than it is about the other person? So in your book, you talk about, uh, I'll call it, there's a lot of reference to uh, talking about sex as an example. And, and I guess one of the things that I want to explore with you today is I guess when we, when we grow up, no one really talks about 
sex. We find out about sex through, I don't know, our peer group, um, depending on what demographic of age you are, through the internet. Uh, and, and there's this conception of what sex is meant to be like and how it should f- play out. And for me, as an example, I grew up as a Muslim. Wow. Okay. I and, did not know that. <laughs> there That's, you go. Okay, thing. Yeah. So when, so when I grew up, sex before marriage is forbidden. Okay. Is that in the Quran? Yes. Okay. Uh, having a girlfriend is forbidden. Right. Masturbating is forbidden. Yeah. So you, you, and it's a very, well, when I was growing up, it, it was very strict. Your parents had certain values. Yeah. And those were the sorts of values that you had to, to, to live by. And, and some of us yeah. stayed in that herd of, of, of living by it. And some of us rebelled against it. And I guess when you are brought up in that sort of background, and then you get into a relationship at a point in your life, this, this subject called sex has been a taboo all your life. Yeah. So what's your experience of? Well, I of- resonate. Um, when I grew up, my parents were Greek Orthodox and my mum was Catholic. They were both sons and daughters of immigrants. There was a lot of shame and sex wasn't talked about and I wasn't allowed a boyfriend. Oh, wow. I had to study. I wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of shame. It wasn't something that was openly talked about. And I think that it causes a lot of conflict. So how how do you learn about these things? You learn from talking to your friends or you learn from experience. And I wish that I knew when I was young that it's it's just a part of who you are. We talk of being. Well, being sex is who all of us are. We're always constantly being it. Um, sex itself is completely misunderstood. It is energy. It's sacred energy exchange. So we're always exchanging energy with everyone. And really it's our life force. It's our power. It's our creativity. When we know that, when we know that, because, you know, just even when you t- touch someone, you transfer energy with them through yeah. touch alone through sex yeah and so but then if we look at it deeper as in it's always just our state of being like how we're being things change and shift because it's no longer a shameful thing it's just oh this is what I like when it comes to sex (laughs) this is what I have for breakfast you know when conversations are open and honest like that and there is no repression we lift a lot of abuse in the system sure and it's meant to be fun. Like the reason why I bring sex in to my book <laughs> so much is because obviously it's aimed at men. And so many men were coming to me with issues around sex, being a, being a coach. They were going, Marina, can we just confide? Like, this is the reason why I'm depressed. This is the reason why, you know, I feel like this. And, and then they were reading certain books and I was thinking to myself, the, the books they're reading are by other men. And it's not what a woman wants. And it started to really start frustrating me. And I was like, right, I need to do something really simple for men, questions and answers, questions that men have come to me with around love, relationships and sex. I wanted to make it super simple, but super like they could just flick to a page and go, ooh, 
that's the answer I needed today. Yeah. And it, it didn't have to sit there and read the whole thing. It's just they could pick it up and put it down. And there's pictures of me in it. And I probably put some like, I don't know, couple sexy pictures and stuff in there as well. But the reason why I've done that is because it's not either or. And I'm quite controversial with my beliefs. And I don't follow the norm. And it's not either or. You, you don't have to just be in the present moment. I believe you can have a vision. You can have a fantasy, right? Yeah. So it's not either or. And I just, I want to break people free of these stigmas, these, these beliefs, these judgments they put on themselves. As you said, from religion. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for you as a Muslim boy. I mean, I suppose I quite resonate because I went to, a, I was, I loved the nuns at school and they were, you know, there was the same beliefs. Yeah. But we, we freshed out. I studied philosophy and theology at school. My teachers were amazing. And we talked about topics like this because the previous years to me at my Catholic or girls school had a really high uh, pregnancy rate. Yeah. And so they brought in discussions, topics. It was very open. There was no shame because of that reason, right? Because I, I say in my book, if you constrict something, you're just going to rebel. You're just going to go the other way. Like what you do not give freedom to, it's natural for humans to rebel. And that's the thing. So I think when I was growing up, yeah, I watched a lot little of, smirk. So yes, you do, you do, you do. Because it's the most natural thing in the world is to to look for love, to to find yeah. that, to find romance, to 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 go and uh, woo someone, etc. And I think and to have sex, to have sex, <laughs> absolutely, no shame, no, not at all. And the other thing that I always found quite conflicting was you had Bollywood. I don't know if you've ever watched a Bollywood movie. I, I know you're an actor, um, yeah. and and all of those movies are about love, romance, there's always a villain, there's always a hero, et cetera, et cetera. And it was all about love. But when we were growing up, don't talk about love in front of mum and dad. Don't talk about it. Wow. And, and it was like, so these are the conversations I've had now in my old years where I go and confront my mum and say, it's a bit hypocritical because I watch all these movies and you, we were watching these and these were all drummed into us. And, oh, yeah, it's, you know, love, passion, follow your heart, follow mm. your dream, all that type of stuff. But then on the other hand, you repressed us because of, you know, the culture. It's a very much a, uh, a saving face in, in our culture. In the community. In the community, fitting in, not putting shame on the family. And, and if you were seen with... A female, then you know anyone other than Let alone a male. Uh, 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 yeah, oh, <laughs> don't even go there. Don't even go there, Marina. Um, it, it sparked so much controversy, and I remember growing up uh, and I watched my brother who had a girlfriend at uh, a point in his life very early, and my my parents were berserk. They disowned him. So I guess where I'm coming from is is a male men, male brown men talking about emotions and sex and it's very hard and that mm. later in life plays out in future relationships and it's how do we, I think for me, one of my passionate topics is about getting men to talk about emotions, but talk about it in a healthy way, not about the bravado, yeah, and I met her, did this, did that. It's how you get them to talk about it in an emotional, in a healthy way that says actually. Talking about sex is great. Talking about it in a way that actually you get the best out of the relationship. Talking about it in a way that's not toxic is really good. Uh, 
but it needs more people talking about it and getting that support from, I call it the sisterhood, to start encouraging the men to talk about it uh, in a sexy way. In a sexy way, in a sexy way, but yeah, a healthy I mean, sexy way. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, talking about sex is sexy <laughs> and there is no shame. And so how has this affected you? I mean, can you, your journey when you were young, when it comes to... It had, a, it had a really profound effect and I didn't really realise until much later in life when I started looking back at it. I, everything that I did had to be hidden. Um, I had a bit of an identity crisis growing up because you grow up in, you know, in, in, in the UK, but your, your heritage, so when you go home, everything's... Um, being a Muslim or being, I don't know, my, my parents originate from a place called Bangladesh. Yeah. So you had that sort of cultural type of uh, structure. But when you were at school, you know, you, you saw different things. You mm. celebrated yeah. Easter, you celebrated Christmas, but as soon as you came home, none of those things. So therefore, dating, fancying someone, talking to someone, equally I never fitted in because you know, I had an eclectic outfit. My mum and dad opened, uh, uh, lived above an Indian takeaway. So yeah. and back then, uh, racism, yeah. um, bullying was a different uh, altogether to what it is today. Yeah. So I didn't, I had a bit of an idea. I didn't fit in. I didn't know where I fitted in. Yes. So I was a bit of an odd bob. Yeah, a loner. Bit of a loner. Um, so I don't think, well, I know for a fact, I wasn't attractive at that point in my life. So I think that stayed with me for a long time. Then I reached what I called um, going to college years. And, and I don't know what happened in that period, but I left school when I was 15. I hated school. Um, and I left, dropped out, just didn't turn up, didn't go. And then eventually, after a year later, I re-enrolled into college. And when I re-enrolled into college, I sort of changed who I was. Um, my persona, shall I say. And I was like a Gucci bag to the females. <laughs> For whatever reason, I don't know what I reinvented in myself or what happened in that short period of time, but the, the opposite sex seemed to be more attracted to me. Maybe because I was more of a, went for a bit of a rebellious stage or whatever, I don't know. And then... I then started exploring, obviously started meeting more people. Um, I think one of the things that you talk about in your book where you say the perfect woman, I was looking for the perfect woman. Was Would like, you? Do you have a checklist? She, I had a checklist. Did she's, you? <laughs> she's got she's to be this. She's got to be, uh, got this job, she's got this card, got this, you know. And the, the interesting thing was I was none of these things, but I expected that in my, um, my partner, which was interesting. And then I think when you get into a relationship, a solid relationship, I think all of the things of, because um, you find love you, and in the first few months of it or the first few years of it, it's great because you're living on that high. But then there's that baggage of who you really are or, or your identity starts to creep back in. Mm, it's not like a fake, fake persona of like, yeah. you know, this is a persona I've had to create. And deep down, like I am quite shy and introvert and, you know, a bit of a loner, but I've created this false self to be loved, to be fitted into yeah, in a was, way. Yeah, and it, to be loved, yeah. I think that's the, that's the thing. I think there was a, there was a massive um, 
desire to be desired, to be loved, to be held, to be comforted, to be doing, you know, some, some what I would call normal stuff. And I didn't have that in that first part of my life. So then From when I... Mom. My mum's a really interesting character because my mum's religious um, and there's been moments in my life that I've only realised that uh, I have an anxious attachment style, which I know you know all about. Yes. Yes. And I know, and I have only recently discovered why I have an an anxious attachment style. At various points in my life, probably uh, two people, I felt abandoned me. Right. And therefore, and love was conditional. Your mum and dad? My mum and dad, definitely, um, and then one my uh, one of my ex partners, my ex wife. So there's an element of me that says actually I have to earn love, and, yes. and love is conditional. Yeah, it's almost like you're having to work work hard for love, and you keep chasing that. Yeah, so that's how it's affected me. But I think it's it's realizing that at this point in life to go, wow, why I, I keep chasing something. And seeking that person's approval when actually I don't need to do that. No, not at all. (laughs) Of course you don't. I think once you've made that conscious awareness and you can step out of yourself and you can witness it, you can change it, right? So you can change the pattern. And it's just, again, loving that part of you, that inner child that just wants to be held and loved by you. Yeah. And knowing that if you're consciously aware and then also who you're attracted to is often because you want to reclaim parts of yourself. So you're like, I'm attracted to the woman with a car and this and I haven't got any of that. Yeah. That's because that's what you want. Yeah. And so you're going for someone like that because you want to reclaim that in you. And if you know that and you can go, right. Okay. So this is a pattern. I'm going for something that's making me work hard for love because my dad and mum made me work hard for love. And I'm going for someone that keeps abandoning me and just, you know, disappearing and right. Okay. So I'm conscious of where this is my inner child right now. They need, they need some love. So you start becoming aware and then going, oh, why would I find them attractive anyway? Right. Because they're doing this, they're doing that. I want to be doing this and that. Right. I need to actually do that. Now I'm going to work on all that. Now I'm going to revisit this. Do I still find them attractive? And nine out of 10 times you won't. No, I agree. So it's almost like you've had the relationship without the relationship. And that's when you start becoming more consciously aware, really and truly when you're in a, I think, a heart flowing relationship, it's just about what you can give. You know, you've got enough of the security within yourself. You've got enough love that you're giving yourself. You've got enough of them things. And then it's just about what I can give, not what I can get. Yeah. Then you're in a different flow. You know, you're not trying to reclaim nothing. And have you experienced that yourself in... Have, in your I, life? have I experienced? That's a good question. Hmm. Have I experienced? Yeah, I've experienced that. But I haven't experienced it in a in a long relationship. I mean, at one stage, yeah, I have, but it's probably not to the heights. And I think as we evolve, as we develop, as we go deeper within ourselves, then we can go deeper with somebody else, right? And so really and truly, it should only get better if it's getting better with you. If you and it sometimes might not feel like that, you know, because you go through times of solitude and great understanding. But that would just make you an even better partner because you're going to be able to have a better range rather than just jumping into one relationship from one relationship to another relationship. Yeah. 
you know? So that's the whole idea of my book. (laughs) When I do say like, love the fuck out of everything, it's because, and I do talk about these subjects because I want to kind of (laughs) encourage people to go deeper, you know, not to be scared with that because it all starts with ourselves and a truly connected man is the, is the dream. There's no point in having a man. You know, you can have the man that's got the house, that's got the car, that does the washing, does the cooking. <laughs> really crude here. Goes down on you every single time and all the rest of it. And if it's, if they're just in the doing mode, yeah. if they're in that doing mode, you'll never be satisfied because they've missed a being. As in, they're not tuning in. They're not connecting to you. They're not being present with you. They're not seeing what you what you what your needs are. You're, they're not working with you. It's just ego. It's just like, oh, I just want to do the woman now. <laughs> Check that off. Yeah, you, and that's you, what I try and talk about in my yeah, book. Yeah, you talk about it as like as a process that they're going through to say, actually, <laughs> step one, step two, step three, I've made a come now. What do I do next? It's, it's that, I think it's that robotic type of... Um, it's in most books tick- for men. Yeah. It's like how to be a great lover, put the woman first. And, and so many guys are like telling me this stuff. And I'm like, no, because you can't predict. Like before I come here, I haven't predicted what this is going to be like. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to see what mood you're in, what mood I'm in. I'm in. We're going to flow. We're going to co-create something beautiful, magical, but... I can't predict that. And if I did predict it, I'm really in my ego and I'm going to, you're going to feel the push. You're going to feel that agenda. That's why one of my theories is the way you make love is the way you live your life. Yeah. That's a great question. Now, when I read your book, you know, you talk about, are you fucking or are you lovemaking? And when I read, when I read it, I was like, okay, because there are times when in, I'll call it lovemaking that, I think you can be a range of things. You can be quite sensual. You mm. can be quite animalistic. You can be quite uh, playful. Yeah, you know, erotic. of course. I think that can happen Yeah. in all in that one session. Yeah, because that's making love. My, yeah. my distinction is you're making love when you're not thinking of the next stage next, what to do next. You're fucking if it's an agenda. Yeah. I'm thinking of, oh, I just want to make this. Oh, I just want to just have a release or you're just... You know, I want to make her come and be the best lover in the world. Yeah. Like you're in that fuck, you're fucking yourself over because you're not enjoying the moment, number yeah. one. And then you're in the fucking mode. And it's all a bit like, again, are you having sex for pleasure or to relieve your pain? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. We don't look at that. So many men are in that doing, 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 and they're in pain and they're just like, swipe, swipe, next woman. Right. And they're in that fucking mode because they're in pain. And there's an internal pain. It's like another addiction. And you talk about that connection, isn't it? That missing connection to actually, um, when I read your book, talks about that, that more softer side of it than the, you know, about t- touching, kissing, holding hands. I mean, look, listen, I mean, <laughs> I was speaking to a friend of mine and she does sound healing and she said the guy just come from sound healing, right? And so she didn't, she just, there was nothing in it other than like a bowl on the body, like vibrating. So, you know, people have, you know, had other connections where you're not even in the penetration stage. So you're looking at 
there's there's such a beautiful range. Like I think sex can be a place of pain. Like I don't want to feel. I'm in pain, so I'm Sorry, just. Yeah. I don't want to feel it... this, so I'm just going to disconnect and fucking myself over and fucking everyone else. Or it can be a place of healing and beauty. Like you know, if you've ever done sound healing, when the bowls vibrate over you, or the breath work where it's facilitated and someone's holding you as you're breathing, so intimate. Um, there's all different ways you can intimately connect, connect with someone. And it's just, you know, I say in my book about couples and in a relationship, it's a daily routine you're looking at, right? So it's, you know, so often we talk of, oh, we have our routine and the guy's got his routine and the girl's got her routine. But what about stopping and just staring into each other's eyes and not saying a thing? Yeah, I love that bit where you talk about let's have a, a morning cup of tea. We just look at each other. We don't have to talk. We just look at each other and send gratitude to each other over this cup of tea. I just think, you know, because it's something simple to start with, but I just think, again, it's that bringing people back to basic connection and it's intimacy is you could stare at someone in their eyes and it's only for a few minutes and you can see what's going on with them if you are in tune and if you want to put your attention on someone else. And that can build so much sexual connection I think often men are like oh I'm not having enough sex and I've done the I've done the washing and I've done this and I'm oh, yeah and then they're like oh you're not dressing up for me or whatever you know and it's a bit like well if you slowed down and just connected and just I don't know grabbed her hand or kissed the back of her neck as she's doing the washing up or you know just really stepped into that place of that connection and beauty but you can't you can't do that unless you do that with you like you can't be there for a woman in her tears. And I'd done a podcast on this and somebody laughed. <laughs> they were telling me, I was like, I forgot I'd done that one. I was saying like, you know, in her tears and like lick the tears off of her face because tears are beautiful. You can't step into that beauty of that experience and both sit there and cry together if you've never cried by yourself. All right, okay. Yeah. And what a beautiful like sexual experience even you know, both crying, like there's just so much deeper levels. And the problem is today we make things wrong. We make anger wrong. We make sadness wrong and we run from them. And it's like, it's all beautiful. That's what I want to say. The goal of life is not to be happy. The goal of life is to live fully and to feel fully. And there is so much more of a beautiful range out there than what society's gives us through porn through different outlets through just seeing somebody as a picture or just one night with them there's so much more depth and connection and when you find what you love doing we were talking about passion and purpose well that should turn you on that should light you up if it doesn't well my love you're not you haven't found the passion yet have you because so often we look to another oh I don't they're not turning me on no more no darling you're not you're not, you haven't found the passion. You're not doing things. That, if you're doing stuff you love and that you're passionate about, you should always be kind of turned on. That's yeah. life. That's the beauty of life. You're using that creativity. You're using your sexual energy. You're in flow. What about that? So that takes me nicely onto like validation. When you seek validation in somebody else and you can spend an awful lot of time seeking that validation. And when you don't get that validation, it's, it's a, you know, in the past, I've made it about them as opposed to actually it's something lacking in me, as an example. I guess how often in, in your coaching of men, how often do you see that as an example where a relationship starts to break down? 
Yeah, I, I, I've definitely seen that pattern because it's almost like I'm dependent on you to give me validation or something because I can't get it from myself. Yeah. And really and truly, when you're securely attached, you can give it to yourself. You don't need that from somebody else. But of course, we like connection. So, you know, that person might stop, stop maybe acknowledging you as much and saying how amazing you are like when you first met, but if you build that connection back by staring at them. And so often, we, if we give what we want, we get it back as well. Yeah. But it's not about words. And I think we misuse words. You know, sometimes it's about silence. And it's about touch and about intimacy staring into eyes and all this stuff, which is so much more powerful than anything else. And you did actually, we was going to talk about um, celibacy. Celibacy, yeah. Yeah, because I just remembered that was some really good point. And again, I think there is so much shame when it comes to sex. And I do not agree that you need to go through periods of your life where you need to be celibate and you need to sit in a cold room, a dark padded cell to reach spiritual enlightenment. Like, I actually do not believe, I think if, I think life is about flow and you will naturally go through phases where perhaps you don't want to go and sleep with someone or you don't want to go towards something. And maybe that's, it will be a natural evolution. But if you, if you, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, anything you restrict, me, for example, this is an example, I used to go out partying all the time. And I always used to drink when I was young and go out and, you know, up until when I had my second child and I really felt that birth, had a home birth, it was natural. I felt everything. I didn't disconnect, I felt every bit of pain. Down to the time of seven in the morning, I had this home birth, right? And so after that, I just didn't want to disconnect no more. So I'd go out and if there's champagne, because I like champagne, I'll have a little bit. But I didn't say I'm not going to drink. And I think there's the element of... When you do not give yourself freedom and when you constrict something so much and you make it so wrong, the only way, the opposite way is only the, the opposite spectrum of that. And I've seen that in me. Yeah. No. To be like, oh, I'm going to go on a silent retreat now. I'm not going to speak for 10 days. Uh, I'm not going to be on any dating apps. And then they just swing the other way when they come out. Like back to an extreme. And it's like not having balance. And I tell you one thing, and mm. this is to really go, when you fucking die, you're not going to say, oh, thank God I had that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that won't probably. Because... Yeah, no, it's a very I'll good go point. Red. Uh... <laughs> but it's true because I think, you know, I've had experiences where I've been in hospital and I've looked back and I thought, oh my God, like, I'm not ashamed. No. I actually enjoyed every single, because it, it, it's, you know, I think through sex, you can learn a lot about someone. You can learn a lot about yourself. And it's, again, a journey because you can read a book, you can do this stuff, but sometimes you need to do stuff to know what you like and what you don't like. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, so I don't think that, I think there's a little, like, pres prescribed method. If you want to go and try and be in celibate and if that thing you've, you think that serves you to go, I'm not going to be with a woman for a year, and you think that's going to serve you, then by all means. I think everyone who... I know there's lots of social media posts about it at the mm. moment and and 
some people take it on because they look at it as energy, but sexual energy in terms of what they're attracting. So it might be, well, I'm using my sexual energy and therefore I'm attracting this certain type of person. And therefore after that, I've given up and I've, I've, uh, when I say given up, I've given myself to this other person. This other person seems to be no longer interested. So therefore my connection needs to be deeper than just this sexual energy. And therefore, you know, all the other types of, uh, connections, be it love, a deeper sense of love, a compassion, kindness, um, what's their passion, all those types of things. So I think I, see, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And what you're saying is you want to deeply connect more to someone before rushing into sex. Yeah. So totally, totally get that. And there's an element of giving yourself to someone. Well, you know, against perspective on that, because it's kind of like, well, if you're going to give yourself to someone and you feel like you're going to lose a part of yourself, yeah, then you're going to be at a loss, aren't you? So it's almost like if it's a kind of playful energy, and you're not losing anything because you, you're secure. If they stay, they go. You both like it. You both don't like it. Then you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. And as long as you can go on, go into that as a whole adult, as an integrated person, not your inner child. You know, what part of you is leading this? Is it my inner child leading this? Am I, is it the integrated me? If you can go into a, a, a session with someone, a session. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a sexual session. <laughs> How much time have we got booked for that session? <laughs> go into it like that it can be an amazing experience I think it's when we go into it with that view that we're going to lose something we're going to we're going to you know what if they abandon me what if they don't like what they see what if I'm rejected what you know not really like you know at the end of the day sometimes it's just like that you go into a, a co-creation with someone and you find out that actually that's not for me yeah. and I know that you could spend months and months and months with someone and build up to that. And you'd probably feel safer. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just knowing because obviously if your nervous system feels safe and regulated in someone's presence, that might take you three days, it might take you three weeks. It's not about putting time constraints on these things. No, I totally get that. I think it's about going with your intuition and not a predictive script because none of it's wrong. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I've, I've seen that where people said, I've repeated this pattern. Yeah. Therefore, I'm now taking this course of action. And, and like you, I'm saying there's no right or wrong about it. Um, I think you've just got to go and explore certain things and understand why you're doing what you're doing and what are you trying to protect yourself from. Yeah, because it's almost like you stop living. And we turn around and go like, oh, that this keeps happening to me. And now... I'm going to close myself off. I'm going to sit in a dark room and I'm not going Just out. Like because you're never going to learn. You no. know, there's an element of, okay, right. So you've seen the pattern. Well, don't pick that pattern again. And you'll see the signs. You'll see the same person in different clothes, in the same situation. And, th and then you'll go, oh, I noticed that. Yeah. It's only there for 10 minutes. Lovely to meet you. Bye-bye. <laughs> like when you're dating. Yeah. And so what will happen is... You will recognize the patterns. You will see the same people in different clothes or the same individuals. And you will know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Like if it doesn't feel good, don't go towards it. If it does, do. You know, give yourself time to process what you've done. If you've, you know, had a sexual 
you know, thing with someone, you know, to be doing that, that loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads with all different multiple people. I, I always think to myself, how could somebody process what's gone on? You'd have to probably be quite disconnected. And this comes from, you know, sorry to be judgmental, like hold my hands up. But I would say that if you're quite a deep person, you need to integrate and process. So again, just make sure you're looking after yourself. Make sure you're, you know, self-caring because you might not even realise the repercussions of that's having on you energetically. And again, as I say in my book, it's often like a KPI of manhood. How many women have you slept with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah. it's like, wow, you know, I do see a pattern with me- a lot of men with mental health issues that are sleeping with different people all the time. And yeah, there's... And I think like you're saying, there's probably an element of that comes from trying to numb... Pain. Pain. To say, actually, there's something happened in my life, therefore I need that brief validation. But as soon as that's, that's, that, that session takes place and, and comes and goes, then there's an, an element of emptiness and there's, there's, there's a lack of personal fulfilment within. Um, so there's that. There's the other thing I read oh, in your book. Where oh, it's it t- amazing. I've just got to say this just to interrupt quickly. Sorry. Um, there we, you know, because don't forget we are human. We we need connection, like we need touch. We need vesperin hormone is produced when we have touch. Oxytocin is produced when we have touch. Like we need this. Like it's a basic need. Mm-hmm. Like if the if everyone had more sex, the world would be a better place. Let's not make any of that wrong. No, absolutely not. And yeah. I just think even if you look at you know sex as being a form of meditation, even because you forget everything when you have sex, if you're doing it properly, if you're like in flow in making love yeah it's a meditative state you don't you lose yourself so again beautiful if you can get to them places but just being consciously aware what about i read in your book where like <laughs> there's a lot of talk about love yourself and you say i call bullshit what yeah there's a statement <laughs> that, i call bullshit you can you can grow with someone yes and love you know and grow and find your way yeah. Whereas to go into this state of solitude or yeah. uh, love yourself first before you can love someone else. Yes. Explore that with me, didn't you? Go on. Yeah, yeah. I think there's so much shame around that. And I think it's really sad that people are like, oh, you can't love anyone until you love yourself. And I'm just like, as I say it, I like get a shiver in my neck, actually. And I just feel really sad because if you haven't learned love in your childhood for whatever reason. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay in your room by yourself, again, solitary confinement, and learn to love yourself. The only way you grow is through relationships with others. You grow and learn through relationships with others. Friends, partners, that's how you learn. People teach you how to love. You get secure attachment from being in a long relationship where somebody's, you know, tuning into you. You get secure attachment through being coached or through therapy and all these things so you can't can you get it by yourself well you know hypnosis is very powerful (laughs) i would say but the biggest form of learning you'll ever have in your entire life without a question of a doubt is through relationships and it's that it's that experience experience if you have you don't know what you don't know as a result because you might think actually i'm in a relationship and then you talk to people and go and everyone goes yeah that's that's what it's like being in a relationship but actually 
And then there's that fear of actually stepping out of the relationship because I've spoken to lots of men throughout certain periods of my life and, and I'll go back to sex and I go, yeah, we've been married for this long or, or you know, been together for this long and the intimacy's died off. And then you talk to your friends and go, oh, no, that's what it's like. And then everyone goes, that's the new norm. That's baseline. That's fine. But actually, if you've, if you've not had much experience and, 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 and not been strong enough to go, actually, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going yeah. to have this dialogue. Yes. And if I have this dialogue... You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. I guess if you don't do that, then you, I think you betray yourself. Oh, so this is in my book. But this, <laughs> but this is my biggest thing. It's like you have to be able to, as a man, speak your truth. And if you're with a woman that doesn't allow you to speak your truth, then you have to say to her very nicely, like, this isn't about you. This is about me. This is important. Because otherwise you betray yourself. And all betrayal starts with self-betrayal. And, you know, you have to tune into your needs. You are important. What do you need? What do you want? What do you like? And then in co-creation and being open and honest, you can, you can create what you need in the most beautiful way. But if you don't talk about it, you might want to cheat. And yeah. I, I don't blame you. Like, <laughs> because, yeah. again, it's like if you can't express yourself, what do you expect? If things are constantly made wrong, where, where do you go? And if there is a lot of restriction in the relationship and you're getting told off by your partner for everything you're doing, well, you know, you're going to look elsewhere if your needs to be met. So for a relationship to survive, you've got to be able to speak your truth and it's got to be able to be received. And my relationship formula is, is simple and I put it in the book. You're open and honest with yourself. And I know what it's like to wear my rose-tinted glasses and not to be open with honest with myself. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Because we want it to be, right? Yeah. We're romanticised. And then, so we're like, okay, what's really going on here? And then you're open and honest with the other person. Like, this is happening. But you will never know what to do next until you have that conversation with that person. And how they respond will always teach you what to do next. They might not respond very well at the beginning, but you hope that they have some empathy and understanding and they would actually say, thank you for you being honest with me. Thank you for, oh, hang in. But thank you for my truth. Like all these things. I just think you need to be in relationship with people that can accept all of who you are as you ebb, as you flow. I think you, re- you reclaim some of that respect as well because... If you're not, if you if you speak your truth, and albeit it may not be what the other person wants to hear, I think this, and they may not initially react the way you probably would like them to react, or you know they're going to react. But I think you do claim a bit of respect back from from having the courage to do that. And respect and integrity is attractive, you know, and doing what you love is attractive as a man. And I talk about this. Yeah, but also, man. I want to talk about this, you know, like around the Muslim religion, Go for and it. around. Having more than one woman at once. Well, as in been married to more than one yeah. woman. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Don't it's, ask me how <laughs> Go on. Go yeah. On. So, I mean, like, you're brought up with all this shame. You're not allowed to, you know, masturbate. You're not allowed to talk about sex. And then once you get married, you can you can marry 10 women. And, like, I say this I was in a, a different podcast and the guy said to me, would you, would you be with someone that already had a partner? And I said, no. Hmm. 
And he looked at me and went, because it's almost like I'm enough, right? But there's such an underlying thing. It's like, there's never enough, especially with men. It's like, I need a bigger house, I need a bigger car. Now I don't want one woman, I want two or three women. Yeah. And that's because they don't feel enough. So if you don't feel enough, you're always going to make somebody else not enough and you're always going to want the next thing. And that's internal work you have to do. Yeah. I'm, so get, let's, yeah. let's talk around this because I think with people like Andrew Tate and, you know, I see a lot of men lost and now they're disconnected and now they want um, all the flash things and loads and of women. The Bugatti and the yacht and the <laughs> watch. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And then it's like... And to top it all, you know, it's okay. We can just, you know, disrespect women and have loads of them. Yeah, and no, I hear this about being a high-value man. If I'm a high-value man, I'm a top 1% <laughs> earner, it means I can sleep around. But you should be grateful because I'm this top 1% high-value high man. I totally... Oh, and the high-value thing. It's a load of bullshit. I just like, everyone's high-value. Yeah. You know, some I know saying, you talk about being, I talk about equal, this. I was like, high-value. No yeah, some yeah. guys at high-value. I was yeah. just like, high-value. If you don't think everyone's life's of value and you think that you're high value because you've got some money in the bank. Sorry, I just, you know, like it repels me. I think for, for me personally, yeah, I believe eternal love is what everyone really wants, in uh, my opinion. Uh, yeah, so what happens then with this whole, you know, have millions of girlfriends, treat women like crap? Uh, I mean, I've, I know I've, that in the Muslim religion, they, they look after the woman, the woman, they give them a house, so, you know. So I know, I know it's not like that with all, you know, but where does this come from, this disconnect of disrespect, disrespecting women? Is it from, the, you know, in the Muslim culture? No, me. no, the Muslim culture is definitely... Because that's why Andrew Tate turned Muslim. It, well, as I'm not the best Muslim in the world, I'll be open and frank. I guess my understanding the best human being. of... Of the the religion is that you're not allowed to do these certain things because that's what um, is written. Some of that has been um, slightly skewed by certain cultures and values and course, narratives. Like by, the Bible, it's like, not fundamental. Uh, you know, you can't family take it values literally, literally. and community values. So therefore, that's been skewed, um, and then people put their own interpretation on on that as well. Um, I've always, uh, you know, but love after marriage is what it's all about and finding, and, and it's respectful because it's what it's trying to say is you don't go, call it slutting around before you get married and then you, you build a life with someone. I don't quite understand. Then you can have seven wives conundrum, shall I say. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I think for me personally, if I find the one, pure love, true love, then that's what I'm committed to. That's what I'm there, you know, for. That nothing makes me more happier. Um, the going back to the Andrew Tate thing, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, his conversion to uh, Muslim, uh, being a Muslim or not, what drove him to do that. But I guess my view is you having all those things, be it material, external things, is an insecurity in my personal opinion. You can have all those things um, and you will attract a certain type of energy. It's a lack of love. It's almost like, again, it's like we learn through society 
that will get us love. And it's again or material assets. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a projection, yeah. isn't it? And then and then you'd have all these women, and then you'll feel fulfilled. So and let then, me flip this a bit. Yeah. So I had a conversation. So I go to the gym quite a lot, and I've got a lot of gym buddies and all different ages. And I, and I, I chat to everybody. I just uh-huh. do. You're like right? me. You're like me. Yeah. And um, and I was chatting to uh, my brotherhood, like twenty to I call it twenty to thirty five year old. And and I was talking to them about dating, etc. And they love what I do. They all chat to me. And they never like my post, but one to one they come and go, Yeah, I love what you're doing. Yeah. And one of the things I asked them, and I, and I say about dating, and they say, Well, what what's the school here then? And they go, I've given up. I've given up I because so English men. I've given up because all they want, the other sex, is they want someone with a big house, abs, flash car, this, 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 tick, 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 tick. Tick, tick, tick. And um, I talk about this in my book as well. And and that's all they all all the women want. And I thought I I don't want that. And they go and they're and they've gone off dating. They've gone off websites. Mm. They just you know doing their own thing. And I guess my counsel to them is actually, are you sure? Because I I, I get there are people out there that will probably want some of that, all of that. But what there's there must be something that because I believe in the you give off the the you attract the energy that you give off mm-hmm. personally. So, but I have met the most amazing human beings, the most illuminated be- human beings at a point in my life where I was probably at the lowest point in my life, but I owned it. I was, I was in my mum's bedroom in a little house with an eclectic furniture and an eclectic bedding and eclectic, nothing went, but I told my story and I have met, you know, some really amazing people through that, been owning it and telling people who I am really. And I think that that's some of the social media plays a part in like, I'm, I'm glamorous, I've got this, I've got that. Mm-hmm. This is the lifestyle that I want. And I think there's a lot of people that are now conflicted in terms of how do you get this eternal love? Because what does eternal lo- love look like? Because this is what the other It's transactional, wants. isn't it? I mean, like what we're talking about. you talk about. We're, we're talking, I talk about this in my book, about transactional love. And then, you know, the guy's trading that because he just wants, you know, it's again, trading love and trading sex. And it's a trade-off. That's not deeper connection. And actually, when I met my ex-husband, he lived at home with his mum. Right. And, you know, so... I just, that was because, and I fell for him because he deeply connected to me at the time. He was interested in what I was doing and he made me laugh. And so I talk around my book around ideas for men, around creativity, around not giving up on love just because perhaps you, you know, you might be in a certain stage of your life and don't, you know, as in, again, it's all about changing gears, you- shifting perspective. Yes. And I give lots of ideas and suggestions around this. Yeah, you gave a really good example. There was a, there was a lot of posts going on about taking a, a woman out on a date and paying for her, being the man, leading, et cetera, et cetera. And I think your one of the reels that you sent out was actually be creative. If you can't afford to take her to this place that you think that she may want to go to, be creative. Oh. Take her on a picnic. Yeah. Go, go to Tesco's and buy <laughs> a meal deal. But be creative. Be creative, I think, because that's what we remember. And obviously tune into that person's values. Like, you know, and they might, you know, have in create an experience that perhaps they never had done before. But we just assume it's a standard restaurant, it's a standard place, it's a standard thing. And it's gotta be And it's gotta be a certain way. And again, I put I put it in my book and I suggest lots of ideas and things around this because I think it's really important. And I think it's sad when people 
you know, I don't see their worth and their value on who they are and who they're being rather yeah. than what they've got and what they can provide. Yeah. It's sad. So it's kind of like tuning back into like you have value for your soul, for who you're being and what you're creating in this world and find people that love you for, for you and what you're doing and, and ver vice versa, right? I think it's a real struggle. I know you use the term, it's sad, but I think it's, they don't, it's like, you have to go through that journey to go, actually, no, that's not a, what I'm pursuing. I'm, you know, because you try and, I think you talk about it, but you try and impress someone on that first few dates and yeah, turn up as a, you know, look dapper or, you know, <laughs> but, but don't give this false illusion that you're someone that you're not because it soon catches up with you. And I think you, you give little gems and nuggets of, of that, yeah. that in your books. So. Of course. I mean, because otherwise it's not going to last very long no. if you're not really being who you truly are. And sometimes people don't even know who they truly are. So it's going on that yeah. journey of like, who are you really? Yeah. You know, being with that. And what do you really like? Do you like going to a fancy restaurant? Yeah. You know, you know, is that really like the most memorable thing that you do? Or is it a walk in nature? You know, there's so many different ways that we can connect. And it's, yeah, it's thinking outside of the box. I think so I really talk about important. love languages, et cetera. I notice you do in your book as well. <laughs> yeah. And 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 we we make the mistake or it going, this is my love language, so it must be their love language. <laughs> so therefore I'm going to do, I don't know, words of affirmation to death. Yeah. And it's like, oh, why are they not, why are they not connecting <laughs> to me? And it's like, oh, I'm getting all frustrated. So what's I your secret around that? I talk around this in the book, around not putting anyone in a box. And just tuning into them again, you know, it's going on, what do you need? And we can do with these personality profiles. We can do um, John Gottman's, you know, <laughs> work. We can do all these different ones. And I'm like, no, my theory is yeah. come back to you. Yeah. Tune in, slow down, be present. Be present to them. You'll see what they need. And it changes. Women ebb and flow. So do men, actually. Yeah. And if you give some sacred time, even if it's like five minutes to like, oh, you know, this is, you know, even asking certain questions, which I put in the book. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, It's yeah. going to change yeah. your relationship. It's going to change yeah. everything because otherwise it becomes another to-do list. And we get the to-do list. Oh, she's in that box now. Well, actually the box changes. Yeah. You know, if I look at my love languages, it changed. And no doubt again, if I do it again, it will probably change. Yeah. Because as we grow, we evolve. And so, for example, if mine, mine was gifts, uh, at one stage, well, my parents never got me a gift. Yeah. So it was a deficit that I needed to make that up in myself. Yeah. You know, it was nothing to do with the other person. And that's nothing about being materialistic. It's about the thought behind it. Yeah. But the same at time and the next it would change the quality of time. So mine changed. Now, if I'm with a partner that was just like, oh, hers is gift and kept getting me gifts. Uh, you know, and, you know, it's just completely not really, it's not even about the gift. It's more than yeah. the, the meaning of the thought maybe. But it's changed to actual time or whatever. They're just not tuning in and just sitting and just asking questions and just being playful and having that. Do you know what? I think we all need to get back to childlike play. You know, more childlike play, more sex, more fun, and take and stop taking everything think so fucking seriously. Even this whole self-help world sometimes I'm just like, oh my God. You know, be true, be authentic, yeah. but follow your own path. Because what I've done. Well, that's my life experience, yeah. but you might do something completely different because you're you. Only you will know you 100%. No one else can. And you might grow and change at the speed of light. 
because that's life. And so know that and know that about others. And if you really want great relationships, tune in, stop, slow down. So if you want eternal love, if you want that, and you know, I, re- I resonate because on Valentine's Day I was born and I looked for love outside of myself. I want you to know that you are love, that you are loved and you are not alone. And I think The Course in Miracles talks about this and it says, I hope you search your whole entire life for the one and never find them. And now I know why. Because if you actually give someone, one person that much power, and then you're like, I found the one, it would stop you from living your life's purpose and passion and actually really and truly connecting and being present and loving the person that's in front of you. So don't miss a moment. Love the fuck out of all of it. Every single fucking moment. Love who you're in front of. (laughs) And co-create and just enjoy it all. And enjoy where you're at. If you're single, fucking love it. Yeah. Just fucking love it. And that loving it, loving it all, loving all of your emotions, loving where you're at, changes it all. Cool. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Great summary. Very connected on that. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. No other words to say there. No. <laughs> so how are you going to start loving the fuck out of it all? Oh, what are you going to implement from today? What am I going to implement from today? I think being living in the present has been something that I've struggled with in the past. It's always past. It's the future. It's it's waking up and going, I'm going to love the fuck out of today. Yeah. I'm going to love the fuck out of today. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to love the fuck out of going to the gym. I'm going to go for a swim. I'm going to love the I'm going to go to my place of work. I'm going to love the fuck I'm going to do. I'm going to see yes. my mum. I'm going to love the fuck out of seeing, you know what yeah. I mean, spending time with her. It's that. It's living in the present, that purposeful life because life is fucking short. It's all we fucking get. You can be dead tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. And this might be our last conversation. Yes. And how fucking brilliant. Our yes. Five. I love you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. It's been amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you.